Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. I missed you last week. I uh, had a really cool opportunity. Um, my good friend Jay Miller at Legacy Church invited uh, me and Tim Darnell, another good friend who's at Hill Country Church, uh, to preach with him. So all three of us preached uh, at Legacy Church last Sunday, and we had a blast. I think we went for like five hours or something. Uh, not quite. Y'all were like, oh man, I hope you didn't pick that up and bring it back here. Um, no, we didn't preach for that long, but we had a really, really good time, and I love what God is doing in our region. It's not just us as a church uh, alone, but God is at work uh, in, in the church uh, of Central Texas, and it is a joy to get to be uh, a part of that. I heard that you guys had a really good time without me, though. <laughs> yeah, um, Steve uh, brought an incredible word, and what I, from what I understand, there were at least three people that gave their lives to Jesus. How about that? <laughs> That's good news. If you can't celebrate that, then uh, we need to have some words. <laughs> no, um, Here's what I actually believe God's doing in this season. I believe that this is a pivotal season uh, for the church and even for, for our nation, I guess probably even the world. Um, at, the, at the end of last year as I was praying, I felt like God said this is a watershed season where it's like we go one way or the other. And, and I feel like we're entering into a, a harvest season where people are going to be giving their lives to Jesus and, and the, the longing is this. It's that people would get Jesus, but they would also get the family of God. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. I'm not a big like, hey, invite people every week to church guy. Uh, I think there's value in that. But I actually feel like this is a season for people to give their lives to Jesus, even in the church. Not that you can't share Jesus with people out there. But as you invite, I believe that God's going to honor that invitation and that you are going to see your friends, your coworkers, your classmates give their lives to Jesus. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. I wanna invite you to make a list, maybe three to five names, and just begin to pray for them every day. It may be uh, for your, your kids that aren't following Jesus or your parents that aren't following Jesus, your classmates, your roommates, but just begin to pray for them daily. And then if God prompts you, only if God prompts you, invite them to church. Don't worry about them being weirded out by how wild we are. <laughs> Serious. Because people are looking for people that are actually passionate about what they believe. So it's okay that we're a little bit more expressive and that we're maybe not totally stale. Um, because actually people, people are drawn to the passion that you have for Jesus. Is that all right? So don't worry about all the stuff. I believe that God wants for people to say yes to him and that this is an important season for that. And I believe that he wants to put people in family because I think it's in the context of family that we live our faith journey for the long haul. We weren't called to be lone rangers. We actually need people to follow Jesus with. Amen? Y'all can do that? Awesome. Cool, I'm excited to preach. Uh, I am uh, teaching a message called Identity Crisis. You ever been there? I actually feel like we're in a global identity crisis. I feel like every issue that our culture is face facing, that our world is facing, is rooted in identity. I feel like the, we got political stuff going on, we have like 
education stuff going on. We've got all of these different issues that are going on. Even inflation finds its root in identity. I feel like everything that is going on is all of these crises are a result of us not knowing who we are. Romans 8, 19 says that creation itself is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. I believe this, that the whole world is waiting for us, you and I, to begin to live like children of God. And that God wants his kids to recognize who they are and whose they are. You see, God set up a, a, a way that the world would work, that humanity should go. In the very beginning, he created Adam with his own hands. He picked up some dust and began to shape him. Here's what that tells us, is that we were created on purpose by God. He's actually shaped you. Psalm says that he knits you together in your mother's womb. He's actually put you together on purpose. Your design is not an accident. Your makeup is not an accident. There's an incredible assignment against the way that God has designed you, but he designed you specifically and on purpose. And here's what he did with Adam, is that he, he, he picked up that, that spitball of dust, of mud, and then he <sighs> breathed his very life into him. You see, you were created on purpose and for purpose, but you'll only find that purpose when the breath of God is breathed into you. And as we receive the breath of God in us, it begins to restore to us the purpose for which we were created. It's interesting that when a baby comes out of the womb, the first thing they do is they inhale. What they're supposed to receive in the natural is oxygen for their lungs. And in the same way in the spiritual, we're supposed to receive on our, at our birth our identity. That was God's design. When sin entered into the picture, you see, God's design was that Adam would receive his breath and then that he would breathe the breath of God over his kids. And it's not just a, a, a one-time thing spiritually, but it's actually the, the responsibility of parents and, and even primarily of a father that they would speak identity over their children. The problem is, is that when brokenness entered the picture, that chain got broken. And all of a sudden, we've got people running around not knowing who they are. And when we give our lives to Jesus, what happens is, is that we get born again. Say born again. born again. And in that place of being born again, we actually receive the very breath of God into our lives. And it begins to mark us in the way that God has called us to be. You see, Jesus, when he enters into our life, when we're born again, he's not remodeling who we are. He's tearing it down and he's starting all the way over. And so the ways that you would identify yourself become subject to his lordship and rulership in your life. See, we often think that 
we just add Jesus into our lives. But the truth is we surrender our lives to Jesus. We die with him so that we can live in him. And what that means is is that it begins to to shape everything about our lives. We don't just bring our spiritual life to him. We bring our entire lives to him. There's a guy, grandchild of Abraham. His name was Jacob. The, The name Jacob means deceiver. Now, if your name is Jacob, you, you can choose a different name meaning if, if you'd like. You probably don't want to go around calling yourself, hey, I'm, my name's Deceiver, right? Jacob actually lived his life deceiving his way into getting all that he had. He tricked his brother, took advantage of him, tricked his father, took advantage of him. That's how he got his birthright and his father's blessing. He then goes and he gets tricked. How many of you know that the way that you live often comes back on you and his, his future father-in-law tricks him and trades daughters on him? That's a bad move. Yeah, that's a little bit scary. It all depends. <laughs> Sam, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Um, <laughs> guess if you're not doing so well, it's a good chance for an upgrade, huh? That's not, that's not what happened. So anyways, so he, and then he figures out a way basically to, to trick his father-in-law out of most of his healthy livestock and, and then decides to, to head home. The problem is, is that he still doesn't really know who he is. He doesn't know who he is, and so he's struggling. He realizes, man, I've, now I've got to go face my brother who I duped twice out of getting what he had, and then I ran off from him, and I've really dishonored him. And so, in what seems like a cowardly move, he, on the way to meet his brother, he, he sends uh, the women and children across the river, and then he goes back behind them and, and goes to sleep, or tries to. And in that place, he begins to wrestle with God. He wrestles with God throughout the night. And then the Lord displaces his hip and still Jacob wrestles. He does not let go. He realizes that all the blessings that he had hadn't amounted to the hill of beans until the Lord himself blessed him. And when the Lord blessed him, he did something really significant. He changed his name. No longer are you deceiver. Now you're the one that wrestles with God. Jacob's not the only one in scripture that encounters God and has his name changed. His grandfather, Abraham, was actually first called Abram. We see it again and again in scripture. Peter, Simon becomes Peter, Saul becomes Paul. You see, there's something significant about a name. In, in a Hebraic mindset, a name was not simply the, the word that you used to address somebody, but it was the very essence of their identity. That's why when we were singing that song 
about the name of Jesus, which is the name above every name, and it's actually the name that he's entrusted to us. That word name is not simply the word that we use to address who he is. It actually encompasses his full identity. It's all that he is, and he's entrusted that to us, and it becomes our identity. You see, most of us have a construct of who we are that is not based on a God-breathed name. It's based on our experiences, based on our history, based on our perception of self, based on the way that other people see us, based on how we've been treated. The truth is, is that intimacy always determines your identity. Let me explain that to you. It is the people, the person, the thoughts, the experiences that you hold most intimate to who you are that determines how you live. It's the way that you see yourself. And when our identity is derived from our experiences outside of Jesus, we'll always be stuck and confused. When you don't know who God says you are, you'll always try to construct your own identity. What do people say about me? What do I belong to? I think that's a huge thing in our day. Most of us, the temptation, let me say this, maybe it's not you, but the world around us is trying to figure out where they belong so that they can figure out who they are. It's why this whole scheme of identity politics is dividing our nation and it works. Because all of a sudden I'm in this camp or that camp and that's who I am and and I wanna huddle together with these people and huddle together with these people and and we'll keep those people out and we're just gonna be these people over here, right? And the way that whole scheme works is that if we can be insulated by this whole group, then I actually don't ever have to know who I am because I don't know who I am, but I'll be protected because I've got a place to belong. And so we've moved into, we moved from being human beings to being human doings. Right, like our our lives are not determined by who we are, who God says we are, but instead it's determined by what we do and the groups we belong to, the people we belong to. We've lost the sense of individual identity because we have not been intimate with the source of all true identity. So here's the way that it works, is that the, the person or the thoughts that you're most intimate with will determine your identity. Your identity determines what you have access to in the way that you live. In scripture, we'll read in Ephesians 1 in just a second, it determines your inheritance. And then your inheritance determines the way that you live. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 17. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Say wisdom and revelation. 
It's not a spirit, it's the spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in you that gives you wisdom and revelation. Let me talk to you just for a second about Revelation. You've been in church very long. You think Revelation is about the last book in the Bible. When it says Revelation, it means revealing. It means that you can see what already exists. So that you may know him better. Say no. Let me teach you a Greek word. The word know is the Greek word epinosos. Say epinosos. That word is really significant because we don't really understand it as we read it. That translation makes us think that to know God better is some sort of academic exercise. I just need to have better theology. I just need to know, you know, more scripture. I need to put all these pieces together that it's some sort of cognitive exercise to know God better. The word epinosos means to experientially, intimately, relationally know. It's connected to the Hebrew word yada. And yada is what happened when Adam yadded Eve and they had a kid, okay? It's to know intimately. So what Paul is praying is that the Ephesians and that you and I would have wisdom and revelation that we would see him so that we could be more intimate with him. This is why spending regular time in scripture and prayer is a good idea. It's because as you spend time with him, you know him more intimately. We'll see what the fruit of that is in a second. Sometimes, many times, we've been taught that we should have a religious routine of spending time in prayer and scripture. And so we open our Bibles and mindlessly read as if it's some sort of checkbox that we have to tick. And we pray a list as if it was just the words coming out of our mouth that had meaning. But the invitation of heaven is that we would be intimate with him. Part of that is that we would allow him to know us and not that he doesn't already know all things, but that we would give him access to our hearts. If I wrote an autobiography, you could read the autobiography and assume that you know me. You could have all of the details of my life, but we could still not be intimate. The invitation of heaven is that we would be intimate with God. And from that place of intimacy that we would recognize how God sees us and who we were called to be. Let's keep reading. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, that's that same word, epinosis, the hope to which he has called you. So here's the way it happens. Intimacy leads to our identity. How many of you know that you have a specific calling from God? Like it's, it's not a general calling that we all have. It's that you have a specific calling on your life. In Ephesians chapter four, it says, as a prisoner of the Lord, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. It's impossible for you to live a, a life worthy of the calling that you've received if you're not aware of the calling that you've received. It's so vital, so valuable, especially in this day and in what God is doing that we know who we are called to be. There's a specific calling on your life. 
Eli, there's a specific calling on your life. It's significant. Ray, there's a specific calling on your life. And not only is there a specific calling on your life, there's actually grace that goes with that calling. Teresa, the same for you. There is a specific calling on your life. And God's given you grace to live that out. It goes on in Ephesians 4 and verse 7. It says, to each one, and that word each one is the word hekosto in the Greek. It means to each and every one, grace has been given as Christ determined it. Here's the way that you can understand that. There is a custom-made grace on your life. And grace, by the way, we've talked about this before, we'll talk about it again, is not just this like heavenly fairy dust sprinkled on you, and it's not simply the forgiveness of your sins, and it's not only a free gift for the undeserving, but it's actually the empowering presence of God so that you can do all that God has called you to do and be who he has created you to be. There is grace on your life for the calling that you've received, and that there's grace on your life for the calling that you've received. Amen? What that means is this, is that you're not powerless to live it out. It's not like God said to you, go change the world. And then he just backed off and said, well, let's see if he can do it. No, he's actually given you the tools. He's, he's your greatest cheerleader. He's the one that's giving you wisdom for the road ahead. He is the one that is giving you everything that you need at the right time that you need it. He's provided everything that you need. He's not leaving you on your own. You're not an orphan. You're not stuck and you're not powerless. Juliana, there's grace on your life. And here's what happens with that grace that's on our lives is that as we recognize it, as we begin to step into it, it says this. It says that you may know the hope to which you have been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You see, what happens is, is that we get, when we're born into the family of God, we're born into an inheritance. That inheritance is the riches of heaven. It's what the good father told the the son who stayed home in the prodigal son story, he said, don't you know that everything that I have is yours? That's how this whole passage starts off in Ephesians 1 verse uh, 3. It says that we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Say every. every. You know what the Greek word for that means? It's every. <laughs> There's no special exemptions for you. Like it's not just that there's some for them and not for you. What that means is that everything that exists in heaven is included in your inheritance. You have access to all of the assets of heaven. Here's our problem, is that when we don't know who we are, we don't know how to access what we have. say that to you again. When we don't know who we are, we don't, have, we don't know what we have access to. You see, 
the, the next verse in Ephesians 1, 4, if you go on just from saying you, you've received every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, it then goes on to say that in Jesus that you were predestined. Here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you don't have a choice. What it does mean is that there was a way made for you where there was no way before. That God actually set out these boundary lines so that you could step into all that you have in Jesus. It's like he cleared the path in Jesus so that you could be adopted into the family of God. That means you don't have to do it, you just get to step into it. That's good news. And so when I begin to realize that I am a son of God, that you are a son, a daughter of God, and that because of that relationship, you have access to everything that heaven has, then we begin to bring transformation to the world because I realize I've got an inheritance in Jesus. You've got an inheritance in Jesus. Sometimes we don't recognize the inheritance that we have, which means that we don't end up using the authority and provision that we have. So then we begin to beg God to do something or for something that he's already put in our heavenly account. You with me? And so then we, we begin to act like orphans, begging a master instead of kids who've been given an inheritance. But when we begin to recognize what we have in Jesus and that we're God's kids and that he's actually a good father, it begins to transform the way that we live. The hope for which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power. Say power. For us who believe. For us who believe. There's a contingency there. You only have access to what you believe for. And so the way that we believe, when we begin to know, hey, I'm really a child of God, I'm rooted in him, I belong to him, when I begin to believe that, then I can live it out. You see, but when we, we begin to do identity backwards, we begin to make it a scientific experiment, and we try to say, well, Let's see if this whole God thing's real. I'm gonna pray for my friend who's sick. And if they get healed, then I'll believe that I've got incomparably great power. Or let me see if God comes through in this tight situation, and then I'll believe him. The problem with that line of thinking is that it, does not trust God. It gets it backwards. And we begin to try to experiment with God instead of believe God. I'm gonna pray this prayer every day and we'll see if it comes true. And if it comes true, then I'll believe in God. That's not faith. That's not belief. That's wishing and hoping something comes true. But when we be begin to recognize who God is and who we are, then we begin to see clearly 
who we are and what we have access to. And it changes the way that we live. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. He seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. The reality for you and for me is that God wants for us to know that we're his kids. That we've been adopted into his family, and from that place of intimacy, of walking with him, it forms our identity. And when you know who you are, you won't want to be anything else. When you know who God's created you to be, you'll stop striving and you'll just be. A few years ago, Shane invited me to do a prophetic ministry with some students that he was leading. And one of the guys there, I gave a word. It was probably the most hilarious prophetic word I've ever given anybody. I said, you don't need another word. It was right. (laughs) And some of us, I, I love prophesying over people. But you may not need another prophetic word you may need to believe what God's already spoken about you. You may not need to run around looking for spiritual experiences, though I love those. I'm not against those. But you may need to trust what's already in your account. So often we find ourselves running around looking for what we've already got. Oh, am I am I called? Am I called? Hopefully somebody will see me and they'll say something to me and they'll know that I'm called. Maybe, maybe my, my boss will affirm me at work and then, then I'll, I'll know that I'm okay. What if we just begin to believe that we're okay? What if we just begin to believe that we already have what it takes? What if we begin to believe that we don't lack anything? What if we be begin to believe the prophetic word that was already spoken about us? What if we begin to take scripture at its word and begin to trust that we are children of God and that we actually have everything that he says we have? That we actually can do all that it says we can do? Some of us do need a prophetic word. Some of us need to know what God says about us. But others of us need to run with what we've already got. Running around, who am I? Who, somebody tell me who I am. Somebody, right? And we do it in a million different ways, right? Like, how many of us do that on social media if we we're gonna be really honest, right? Like, I wonder if I get as much likes as that person or get the comments or get the whatever because then, then I'll be enough. I'm gonna declare over you that you're already enough. You are already enough. Your Father in heaven is deeply pleased with you. He's deeply pleased with you. He loves you. He's satisfied with you. And when we begin to rest in that, 
we begin to live in a way that impacts the world around us. We stop being a vacuum trying to suck in all the energy towards ourselves and instead we become a fountain that never runs dry. We become a, a source for the nations. We begin to speak life to the world around us, not because we wanna get something from them, but because we recognize what we already have in him. I believe that God wants us to live rooted and grounded in our identity. And that comes by intimately knowing him. It's not from a place of striving, but it is from a place of abiding trust. And as we do that, we'll bring transformation to the world. Remind me your name from uh, New Zealand? Jed. Jed, that's right. Jed, I, I really sense that there's a, a significant call in your life. And what, I, what I've seen as I've seen you before is you with a machete in your hands and that you're blazing new trails. You're a bit of a wild man, but you're, you're, you're wild, but you're also safe. You're trustworthy. And there's been a season where you tried to lay that machete down and said, hey, I'm just gonna be. But what God, God is calling you to is to embrace that call on your life to live as a sent one. And there's gonna be unusual favor that marks your life. Does that resonate with you? Is that right? Chuck, hey man, this is my good friend Chuck. We've been running buddies for a while. God hasn't removed his hand from you and Anna. You're right in the middle of his will. And he is putting this flame inside of you. And part of that flame is that he is giving you a father's heart He's giving you a father's heart that's big, a heart that can handle the increase of your influence that's coming. He wants to entrust cities to you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Chuck and just declare that he is needed in the kingdom and that his best days are ahead of him. Alec, God has given you a hunger for him that's insatiable. And he's really pleased with you. He's pleased with your pursuit of him. And as you follow him, as you step into the new season that he's put you in, you're gonna recognize that there is a significant call from God on your life. 
and that you're going to build bridges to places that nobody thought could be reached. And that he's going to, I just see him loading up your tool belt and he's just depositing every gift that you need for the call that's on your life. I feel like there's a few more that God just wants to speak, but let me give you just some protocol. When I or somebody else begins just to, to speak what I believe is from the heart of God, you always weigh it, you always test it, you, you, you find some trustworthy spiritual influence around you, and you say, hey, this is what was said. What does it look like for me to live this out? Is this even true? Do you feel like this is from God? And, and then you use that as a weapon to fight for your destiny. You, you let God, as you know that it's true, what I do is I on a regular basis, read through the prophetic words that have been spoken to me that I know are true because it, it reveals who God's created me to be. Angela, you've been contending for healing for a long time and you've experienced some breakthrough. And I, and I feel like you haven't given up and God is blessing that. But what God wants to do is what he's done in you, he wants to begin to do through you. And so I feel like I just wanna lay my hands on your hands. I feel like God wants to just impart the gift of healing onto you. That you would lay your hands on the sick and that they would be well. And Lord, we just thank you that you're not done, that you're just getting started. And Angela, thank you for your heart for her. Thank you, Lord, for your work in her life. Just bless you. Jalen, you've got the Midas touch. One of the greatest challenges of your life has been that you're good at whatever you do. Right? Yeah. And what God wants to do in this season, you see, when Moses went into the wilderness, he wasn't going into a dry season, he was going into a season that would mark him forever, that he would get the revelation of who he is. He was good at everything that he did in Egypt in his early days, but he didn't know who he was. And God is pulling you away to himself. Doesn't mean you have to hide or be a hermit, but he's pulling you away to himself because he wants you to have it settled. That you would know he's called you to be, that you wouldn't use your gifting to create an identity, but from your identity, your gifting would flow into the ministry that he's given you, the mission that's on your life. He's settling it. And you can be at ease just being a son. Whew. 
In fact, in Jewish culture, they did what Jesus experienced at his baptism. You all right? Okay. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the heavens opened up and a dove descended on him like, or the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, but there was a voice of the Father. The voice of the Father said, this is my dearly loved son with whom I'm well pleased. I believe that the voice of the Father over your life right now, Jalen, is this is my dearly loved son with whom I'm well pleased. I'm pleased not because you've done anything great, but because of who you are and our connection. And Lord, I thank you that you're sealing in this season, Jalen's sonship in you, that he belongs to God. There's a lot to figure out, but it's settled that he belongs to God, that he is a child of God, that he is dearly, dearly loved, not because of what he can do, but because of who he is. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as I've been talking about intimacy with God and knowing Him, there are some of you here who would say, I don't actually feel like I know God. I've never given my life to Him. I don't walk in intimacy with Him. And I believe this, that this is the time for you to give your life to Jesus. That this is the time for you to surrender and say, God, I want to know you. I give you my life. I realize I've been running my own way, but I trust in you and I'm laying my life down before you. Can our ministry team come up? And if that's you, you can just come on up too. And, and right now would be an incredible time for you to give your life to Jesus. You can come on forward. If, if you're like, hey, I need Jesus in my life. I want to trust my life to Jesus. Now would be a great time to come forward. And finally, there are some of you here that you just need more of God. You may just be really struggling in your identity and your purpose and your calling. And I believe that God wants to settle that. He wants to speak that to you this morning. I've asked this team just to be prepared, just to, to, to pray and prophesy over you, just life and meaning and destiny, because I believe that God is speaking that this morning. I believe that not one of you has to leave here without knowing why God has created you, what he has called you to. Amen? Would you stand? Father, I thank you that what you're doing in our church family in this room is that you are raising up a people who have it settled, who are confident in who you've called them to be and who because of who they know themselves to be and because of who they know you to be, that they will walk out of here and begin to bring transformation to the world around them. And so Lord, I thank you for your work in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We need you. We want to, to know you even more. In Jesus' name.